0: So you look at this study and you think this is awesome because it proves the power of prayer which is what we know but what's shocking is that the prayer was offered up in the year 2000 these patients were hospitalized in the mid 1990s so anywhere between four to ten years before the prayer was offered they received the benefits from the prayer
1: you have tuned in to the blurry creatures podcast welcome back welcome today you'll learn some things i dropped how uh, i almost shut down all the Jama juices in southern california due to a trans-dimensional email
2: it's 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 a phenomenal story it reminded me so much and i mentioned this in the episode it reminded me so much of uh the office episode where jim sends dwight a a fax from future dwight yeah that's where I got about the idea. Coffee is poison. It's such a. That's where I got the idea. <laughs> I love it, dude. It's uh, so yeah. I mean, this is a preview. We're gonna be talking about um, dimensions, realms, time, um, and our interaction with that. People's as, favorite as, topic as, as humans, and yeah, they get testy about this, it, Luke. Why do they get so mad about this? Just like to be mad. You know, mad online is like is like a new thing. Yeah, it's it's a status. But you know, it, it shouldn't be. It, it's we need uh, to sell that shirt. Mad online, just put it on a, I'm, I'm Nate is big mad online. <laughs> um.
1: People love to get mad at us. I don't even know why. We're de- just asking oh, questions. That's right. Hey. Not a big deal. Look what you did. Yeah. You know, we could take Look we what can you can us. it. We can
2: take, we can take it. What did, what um. did you
1: do? Yeah. We've yeah. yeah. been asked questions. Hey. Is, is Sack Squatch is he uh, is he up to something deeper than, than what we think? We don't know. Feels like it feels like an onion. It's blowing that horn. Yeah, it, it is. There's lots of layers to that. It's good to talk about shofars again too. She talked about yeah, certain- you know, so far have been a theme a little yeah, bit they here have. as of late. They have.
2: They You know, you'll get the old ram's horn out and blow it. No, but it's fun. You know, we got Dr. Laura Sager is back in the Blurryverse. Uh, she is a, a favorite of, you know, of all the Blurritos out there, and you know we love Laura, and it is uh, you know absolute privilege. And and, I, and we talked about it in the episode, but it's it's amazing how how things have kind of come. Nate, you know she was at BlurryCon We actually just fa- you found her. I say we, but you, we collectively, you personally found her on in, on uh, Instagram, on Amazon. Yeah. And about the Federal Reserve and you know, her book on the Reserve, and, and she's just a, is a wonderful. She's the best. Wonderful person. She's the best. Yeah. And yeah. so we're just grateful. Every time we get spend with Laura is amazing.
1: So. And people do get mad online with Laura. No, but I think mis- people misunderstand Dr. Laura Singer a lot, and I think people misunderstand our intent on the show sometimes. But I think a lot of people have grown to love her, and she's a, she's she has our most downloaded episode on this podcast. Um, some wild stuff happens in her episodes, and and some of the stuff I don't know. People ask us, "What do you?" Th-? I mean, it's it's like a, a buffet, and then some. The Doctor Laura Singer episode. Are you are you hungry, Luke? Yeah, I'm hungry, dude. I've been fasting, so I'm ready. I'm hungry. Let's eat. Let's <laughs> eat. <laughs> we don't need to eat too much at this age it doesn't seem to go, it goes on easy doesn't come off as easy yeah you're like what the heck what the heck are you talking about I don't know what we're talking about it sounds like a <laughs> memo.
2: goes on easy doesn't come off as easy yeah how many is have you right. taken off uh, I still have it on I still have it on it didn't come off
1: oh <laughs> uh, but we appreciate you guys if uh, everyone out there who supports this podcast we're coming on four years of Blurry and we've learned a lot and we're forever grateful and you know can't say thanks enough to the people who sponsor the show, support the show, and come alongside and, and make this happen for us. And Luke and I are grinding in the in, in the blurry trenches day after day, and without your help, we couldn't do it. So, if you want to sponsor the show, blurrycreatures.com slash members, as always, get access to a bunch of fun stuff. And you've heard it. You know what you get. Come on down. Luke will, uh... Luke picks oh, up the... Whatever you're saying,
2: I'm not doing Luke... Whatever it is.
1: <laughs> Luke did... We do get we do have some awesome people send us awesome things in the mail people have been sending us some great stuff we got a, we got a letter from some kids today that told us they wanted us to make what was it uh, plush
2: Bigfoot <laughs> so shout out to those kids we're gonna have to get you a plush Bigfoot and it came completely designed so I mean yeah they even they drew, the, drew it out these are the, these are the best letters so thank you for listening thank you for being a, a part of, of and being on this journey that Nate and I so in for a treat dr laura sanger is back in the proverbial building yep and let's get to dr laura
1: All right, we gotta get that energy up because we're we're going back in the in in the blurry verse with uh, one of our favorites, Dr. Laura Sanger. Thank you for being thank you for being so kind to us over the years and hopping into our, our podcast at warp speed. We've we've talked about a lot of things and we were thinking about you last night in one of our interviews specifically because it was talking about epigenetics and, and a lot of things that we've talked about in the past. So you've you know, you've helped a lot of people on our show make sense of some of the other weird blurry things that we, we talk about here and it all kind of somehow it comes together in this weird blurry pie and you take a slice and you enjoy it. Um, but everyone, every, every other conversation is needed to make sense of the last one. And uh, today we're going to talk about interdimensionality, however you want to say that. And that's something we talk about a lot because a lot of people specifically, I think, have more of a subtle Gnostic view of the spiritual realm. And it's this magical place that doesn't exist. It's not, it's it's not something that you can tangibly. It's ethereal. Yeah. Yeah. It's this whole. And so this conversation is a good one to have, and I think we might have, we might have some things to 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 discuss today with you because I think we've been in this space debating this this topic alone for a long time. Like what what are these creatures? Are they physical? Are they not physical? Where do they come from? How are they here? Are there gates and portals and all this stuff? You know, a lot of people just throw out terms. It's interdimensional. It's interdimensional. And it's kind of frustrating, to be honest, because it's like, that it just sounds like sometimes an easy answer. So it's really good to dive into your brain. What do you think this word means? And how can you help us make more sense of these things? And,
2: uh, but we're going to, we're going to go back, we're going to throw it all the way back to the beginning before we get into this conversation, Laura. Behind the ce- behind the scenes. So yeah. if you, if you were following Blurry Creature since the beginning, our first conversation yeah. with Laura was about her book, The Roots of the Federal Reserve. Um, yeah. And we, Literally found one of our favorite people to, in, in the entirety of our show, uh, who feels like kind of like our like uh, like our our blurry our blurry mom in a, in a weird way. Though you're too young to be our mother, so uh, but in in a, in a cool way, it, it feels like that. And we've had this amazing relationship. You were at BlurryCon. Uh, we love your family. Like you, you're, yeah Tom and your kids are, are amazing amazing folks. And so, but it started with with the the roots of the Fed and. As it would be, a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I, Amy, were at a conference in uh, in Georgia, in Sea Island, Georgia, specifically, with our friend Gabe Lyons and a bunch of other Christians talking about the intersection of, of culture and Christianity. But on the way there, and I end up texting you, Laura, on the way there, you, you, we flew into Jacksonville and you drive up, it's about an hour, hour and 15 minutes, but on the way to Sea Island, there is actually a right turn, and it says Jekyll Island, and I saw this, I turned to my wife and said... Oh my gosh! If that's the Jekyll Island, we're gonna need to check this out. And so, Amy, of course, says, "Well, you gotta text Laura because I don't, you know, I don't know if you should even go there." This is this is my wife's typical response. So we end up texting Laura, and long story short, end up going. and And it's been a while since I since I've read your book, Laura, but. The things I found were fascinating. So I'm trying to catch up as I'm as I'm, we're heading out there, and I went with a couple of buddies. And of course, in your book, you talk about how the Federal Reserve was established in a secret meeting on Jekyll Island by the premier banking society members of the day. And as I'm reading this, that are so. We end up going to what's called Jekyll Island uh, Club, which is an original hotel built by J.P. Morgan, the Rockefellers, et cetera, as their private getaway for the elite at the time. This is where they had the meeting. But, And I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm I'm, I'm re- trying to remember, but also what we did. So we went to this club. And the, one of the things that I tried to remember was that the secret meeting happened in a cottage owned by the Rockefellers. So when we're at the hotel, we went to this hotel, by the way, you, a couple of things, you drive over this bridge. And if you've been out there before, you'll know what I'm talking about, but it's a lot of marshland. So when you think of island, it's not specifically like like a uh, like a tropical island. You might think of it's actually like a piece of land surrounded by a lot of tributaries, waterways, marshland. Um, in that part of Florida and Georgia, this is actually in Georgia, but that type of Florida and Georgia, that coastal is is like intercoastal waterways with, with a ton of of reeds and marsh. First off, it's owned by the state, which is weird. You got to pay money to get in. It's a it's a national park, which is odd. It's not how Sea Island is, where we had the where we had the conference. When you get over the bridge, it's like the atmosphere changes it's uh, the guys I was with had the same same response uh, one of the guys there is one of my good buddies, a Native American guy who basically he more or less says I'm pretty sensitive to, to spiritual things and he got ill he got physically sick on like went on the island and then when we got off with he was fine but we got to the island to the club and it's this old it looks like it's maybe out of the Titanic. It really feels like that that era era. Mm-hmm. And we get in the hallway and we're kind of looking at all the pictures. And in the hallway, there's a picture of Rockefeller, J.P. Morgan, and a number of other guys that are sitting around on a telephone call. It's a picture of them taking a telephone call to the mainland. Hmm. But then knowing what I what i had remembered about a cottage, I started looking and there was a cottage that was named, interesting enough, Indian Mount was the name of the cottage. Which, of course, you've been a part of our show, Nate. You realize that like you know, a lot of what we talk about when giants in North America were found in what? In mounts. And what are considered Indian mounds? So this cottage was bought in 1905 by the Rockefellers, and so as I'm trying to piece this together and remember what Laura had written and and kind of figure out where I wanted to go see, there's this is a cottage owned by the Rockefellers, 1905. The meeting happens in 1910. They don't talk about it or admit to it for 20 years after that, but this cottage is on site, so we walk over there. It's very creepy. There's the basement with with a, with a fresh lock on it, and not that that means anything except that like you know people don't want people in there. And It's not owned by the hotel; it's privately owned now, so you can't get in it. But this whole thing to me was fascinating. I think the Indian Mountain thing was super interesting because of the giant connection and the Canaanite connection. So I took a bunch of photos. I thought about I haven't talked about this with, the, with the, in the blurry version with any of our any of our stuff or on our channels, Nate, but. Took a bunch of interesting photos when I was there, and it really kind of provided context to your book. And you can almost imagine this place is not easy to get to now. Like you got to go over this big bridge, and you got to drive in, you got to go through a bunch of gates. And I can't imagine, as soon as wetlands, how you got there easily, which you didn't in at the turn of the night, turn of the twentieth uh, century, which is really when they had these secret meetings. And so I remember text- I was texting. This is a long story short. But I was texting with Laura, and basically she gave me some some prayers to say, so we we were covered. And my wife didn't go. She was pregnant and just didn't want to take any any unnecessary risks there, but it was definitely a heavy, dark place and it I mean, the names of the Rockefellers, the Vanderbilts, the Morgans were everywhere there and mm. you know if you there's a show on history on History channel, which is the the men that built America, and of course these are the titans of industry at the time, but you know, as you know, Laura and all your research, these are also the folks that that conspired to along with some other major bankers of the time to Create the Federal Reserve, which of course um has Nephilim roots and is meant to enslave us and enslaves enslaves us to this day. More so today than ever before. I had this conversation with a buddy yesterday who's a uh, a crypto guy, but he's just like, man, the Fed is it's slavery when we're all in the in the slave system. But wanted to, wanted to kind of share that story with you because I didn't had a chance to then text to talk to you about that. But um wanted to see if I was off on anything. I've actually got to see the place perhaps where this meeting happened, you know, more than a hundred, you know, ten plus years ago.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like what you were feeling was definitely the stronghold that's still over that territory. And one of the things that I talk about and I probably I don't remember if I've talked about it on your podcast, but the concept of generational iniquity and I know I have talked about how land is affected by what we do on it and you know go, going all the way back to the Timuquans that that you know the native tribe that lived in that general area you know, they were in all of their cultural representations. So like the, the way their village was structured, their the shields that they wore, the um, rituals that they took place in were all in this circumpunct, which yeah. is the circle with the dot. And I'll actually talk a little bit about that today, just how the enemy uses that circumpunct to empower. Like when you draw up that magic circle, it empowers the rituals and incantations. So you have the Timuquans that were, you know, mm. sacrificing their firstborn son to the Tim- Timuquan chief. So you've got bloodshed on the land, you have idolatry. And then, after that, years or hundreds of years later, when there was some a French family that owned Jekyll Island, the Dubunion family, and mm. they brought slavery onto the land and they orchestrated the arrival of. A slave ship called the Wanderer. And that was 50 years after slavery was abolished or illegal in our nation. Wow. And so here you have this spirit of slavery that was brought to the island. And that was the seedbed for the Federal Reserve, which is a system of enslavement. And so it all ties in, and that's yeah, it's essentially the crux of my book is how this Nephilim agenda. Has been inbred or, or rooted in the actual land of Jekyll Island,
2: and I can tell you, I haven't been there. This, this it's fascinating. It, it is a a dark place, even though it's a resort. I mean, you we drove up, and just to give perspective, and there are there are there are a, a couple, and they're in all white playing croquet. It looks like it could have been out of you know turn of the century England, and and, and so there's this playground of the wealthy, but it is incredibly heavy and, and and dark there and when you cross over the bridge back over the bridge out of jekyll it's just different and and i and and i think you know people talk you know, people talk about these kind of things a lot and and i know some people will you know roll their eyes at those kind of kind of statements but man it wasn't it was us three you know was three big dudes that were there and and all had sort of the similar experience and it's and it's interesting to be at sort of ground zero i think that that was a really fascinating mm-hmm. you, you know paradigm to be like hey this is where it happened it's connected to them potentially to a mound we know there were giants there and there's all these and so it was just it was a cool full circle and it's cool that to, to you know to know you and, and be able to kind of pick your brain as I'm like hey should I go and you're like I would go if I was there I just wouldn't take my pregnant wife right. <laughs> yeah uh, but I w- I wanted I wanted to to share that story and I know that ties into some of the things obviously all these things there's a Venn diagram of all these things overlapping whether we talk about. Mm-hmm. The Nephilim agendas and you know, things, things in the spiritual realm, and that's a bit where we're going today, right like when we had, we had talked about you know doing another episode, you had, you had said you really want to talk about inter, interdimensionality and that that the concept around that and and the intersection of that with, with our with our realm, if you will and so we're gonna let's let's get into that because all the you know as nate said at the beginning it's interesting how all these things seem to build upon each other mm-hmm. and as we get deeper because we did do an episode with you on the circumvent and the magic circle and that mm-hmm. connects to of course to the fed and then if we did some really amazing things with you know with l that expose a lot of the nephilim agenda and, and it just can it continues to build upon upon the, the previous episode and and also i would say our our uh you know, our library of episodes or or, or the, the arc of our show, these things seem to be very timely. Um, and, you know, one of the episodes that has been wildly, you know, mm-hmm. wildly loved on our, our, our show is the is the frequency episode we did with you. you know, after we met, we, we saw you here and met up when, with the musicians here and we talked about you know, the power of frequencies and sound. And people, you know, those things are, they've been amazing gifts to a lot of folks in 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 our space. And so excited to get into this and just let us know where you want to start.
0: Well, I, I'm equally excited because one of the things that I do, I think I may have mentioned this at BlurryCon, but whenever I talk with an audience, I always ask the Lord for the scrolls for each audience. And so, you know, I will just wait until I hear, you know, kind of how he wants me to share and what he wants me to share. And so today I'm just so excited because You know, if we think about the question, why is God at this time in history, just bringing more understanding and knowledge and revelation about the Nephilim and these blurry creatures, you know, why now? And I think about, you know, your show, I think about this meteoric rise that you guys have experienced, you know, recently Tucker Carlson and Roseanne Barr started talking about Nephilim. It's like, no way. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Wild. (laughs)
0: And, you know, we, we keep seeing sightings of these creatures. And so it's really it's it has caught the attention of people from all walks of life. And it seems like it's it's really now the topic at the water cooler, so to speak. In fact, it was funny um, a couple of weeks ago, mm. Tom, my husband and Bryson is my oldest son. They are youth leaders in our church and they were at a youth leader meeting and there's, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 people there and they had two tables. Well, the one table that Tom and Bryson were not at, we're talking about Nephilim and Bigfoot and they have no <laughs> idea that I wrote a book on the Nephilim. So they, they, asked That's Tom, good. they're like, Tom, what do you think about the Nephilim? And he just chuckles. <laughs> and he says, Well, <laughs> my wife is Laura Sanger and she wrote this book. And they're like, She wrote a book. And so even in the yeah. churches now, there's starting to be an awareness. And so one of the things I think that is important to ask ourselves is why? Why now? Why why is God wanting us to understand this blurry world? And Certainly his ways are vast and his ways are so much higher than ours. So I'm not going to pretend to think that I know why or his ways, but I think, you know, one thing that he wants us to understand is that the visible world is built upon the foundation of the invisible world. And I think about Colossians 1 hmm. it says for by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, Yahweh wants us to understand that there is a spiritual realm, that the Bible is a supernatural book. He wants us to understand the seed war so that we can be victorious against these spiritual forces of darkness I also think, you know, he wants us to understand how to cleanse our bloodlines and our genomes so that we don't have mixture and hybridization. So I'm just excited. And just by way of giving you guys a little bit of an update since our last interview on the War of Frequencies, at the end of that interview, I told Matt and Rachel Van Dievender's story about just this download that they received from the Lord having to do with transdimensional music and Trinity math. Well, Matt and I have been teaching a Zoom study called Foundations of Transdimensional Music. And we've been teaching it to some of these musicians, intercessors, we've got a a producer and a vocal coach that are joining us. Hmm. And we really believe that this is an important step of consecrating ourselves to be able to effectively steward This revelation of transdimensional music. And so what I'm going to share today, some of that comes from what I've shared in these studies. And so if your listeners want to dive deeper, they can, it'll be available on Matt Van Dievender's Rumble channel, which is Highway 35. And then it's also available on my YouTube channel, which is No Longer Enslaved. But before we think about, you know, stewarding transdimensional music, we have to recognize that we are transdimensional beings. You know, Ephesians talks about that we are seated in heavenly places. So it turns out that the blurry creatures are not the only transdimensional beings. So Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So we're seated in heavenly realms, which means we actually exist in multiple dimensions. Now, even though we exist in multiple dimensions, most people do not know how to live in multiple dimensions. So that's what I want to share with your audience okay. today. And so I'm excited.
1: What do you think? When you think of dimension, what, is, what, you, what does that mean to you? Because that's, that's a hot term in the old blurry verse.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, dimensions are, so we think about first heaven, second heaven, third heaven that those are examples of dimensions. So third heaven being where Jesus, the Father, angels, spiritual beings, saints live. Second heavens are both, you know, where the sun, moon and stars are, but also where the enemy and his minions do battle in the second heavens. And then obviously first heavens is, you know, our our land, earth, you know, the sky, the birds, those types of things. So that's one example of dimensions. And as I unpack this, hopefully it will make more sense about how we can live in multiple dimensions at once. And so, you know, when you think about the fact that we are transdimensional beings, you know, we are created in the image of God. So what is the image of God? That substance, light, and spirit. And so I want to just give us a couple of scriptures that show us this. So God as substance is Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. This is God having spoken many times and in many ways in time past unto the father by the prophets, has in these last times spoken unto us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he has made the ages who being the, the brightness of his glory and the express image of his substance and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he made by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And so in this passage, we see that Jesus is the expressed image of the substance of the father. We also know in from John 1, 14, that Jesus is the word made flesh. So that's another example of substance. Mm-hmm. Well, God is also light, and we see that in 1 John 1, 5. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. So with God being light, that means we are light, right, because we're created in his image. Now, I'll get into this in a little bit, but one of the most amazing things about light is it functions both as a particle and as a wave. It's transdimensional and it can operate outside of time. So keep that in mind and we'll come back to that. Okay. So then also God is spirit. And we see this in John 4, 24 says God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Okay. So now as image bearers, we know that we are substance, light, and spirit. We're also body, soul, and spirit. Our soul and spirit can operate outside of time in other dimensions. Our body is what keeps us grounded in Chronos time. Hmm. Now, Adam and Eve, when they were created, they were created with the ability for both their body, soul, and spirit to operate outside of time. And I'll read Genesis 1. This is verse 16 and 17. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man... You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Okay. So death then entered into the world after the fall and Augustine, he actually speaks of these categories of human mortality. He says, humans are possible not to die, not possible not to die and not possible to die. So what he means is that before the fall, it was possible for Adam and Eve not to die because they had access to the tree of life. After the fall, death was unavoidable. After Jesus came, you know, the second Adam, and he offered us, you know, salvation to resuscitate our spirits, you know, when we receive that free gift of salvation, then we are no longer capable of eternal death. So Romans five, 12 through 15 says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all men because all sinned for before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come but the gift is not like the trespass for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ overflow to the many. Hmm. Okay. So then for those of us that have our spirits reborn, we're seated in heavenly places. So how do we live in our identity as transdimensional beings in this is where, you know, we think about how do we start doing that? And it begins by cultivating an intimate relationship with Jesus. Now in John ten nine, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So if you look at the etymology of these words, um, the Greek word for door is thura, and it means portal. It means entrance, a door, or a gate. So Jesus is a portal. He's a trans dimensional door who gives us access to the Father and heavenly dimensions. Now, if we think about the threshold covenant, um, I'll share that uh, what that is, because that gives us understanding as to the nature of this trans dimensional door. So a threshold covenant is actually a conditional covenant. First example of it in the Bible is Passover. And we read about that in Exodus 12. This is 21 through 27. It says, then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin. And I'll come back to that word basin. And put some of the blood on the top and some on the sides of the doorframe. Not one of you shall go out the door of his house until the morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does the ceremony mean to you? Then tell them it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshiped. Okay, so if we look at the Hebrew word for basin there. It's soft and it means bowl, basin, threshold, gate, door, or post. Now, it's interesting in ancient days, before there were temples, before there were sacred places to worship, the ancients worshipped at their door, at Mm. the entrance to their door. And so they would carve out these notches or grooves in their doorpost and they would pour the blood of a sacrificed animal into that groove. And they did that. As an act of establishing covenant, they were making a threshold covenant with a God for protection and provision for their family. Now, the father was the priest of the family in the ancient days. And so the altar was the threshold. The other thing is in Ezekiel 10, verse three through five, we learn some more about a threshold. It says, now the cherubim were standing on the south side of the temple when the man went in and a cloud filled the inner court. Then the glory of the Lord rose from above the cherubim and moved to the threshold of the temple. The cloud filled the temple and the court was full of the radiance of the glory of the Lord. The sound of the wings of the cherubim could be heard as far away as the outer court, like the voice of God almighty when he speaks. Okay. So now again, digging into the etymology, the, Hebrew word for threshold in this passage is mifton. And according to Brown Driver Briggs, um, Hebrew English lexicon, what it means is it has to do with a cross beam and a carpenter. And so the Hebrew wor- word for threshold describes a carpenter carrying a crossbeam, mm. which is a beautiful picture of Jesus hundreds of years before he would be carrying the cross to Golgotha. This is what the threshold means. And so it's Jesus, you know, the Passover lamb, he is the threshold covenant. He was the threshold mm. sacrifice. And we cross over that threshold into relationship with the Father. Mm. Now, there's um, an interesting book called The Miracle of the Scarlet Thread. And this is by Dr. Richard Booker. I'm just going to read an excerpt. It says, When the people applied the blood in the threshold to the doorway, they were inviting God to cross over the threshold into their home as their protector from the angel of death. Mm. God didn't pass over. He crossed over. God entered into a threshold covenant with them. He crossed the bloodstained threshold and stood in the door to keep the executioner from entering the home. Death could not claim them. God himself was the door. The executioner could only enter the homes of those who did not have the blood. Well, then in Galatians 4, um, verses 4 through 5, it says, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law that that we might receive the full rights of sons. So this threshold covenant was a picture pointing the ancients to the epoch of time when God himself would come in the flesh to be the sacrifice of the threshold covenant. And then Booker goes on to write, he says, Galatians 4.4 4 tells us that in the fullness of time, the one true God, the creator of heaven and earth, the great I am, the one who was, who is, and who is to come crossed over the threshold of time and space and became one of us. The same God who revealed himself to the Hebrews in Egypt through the bloodstained threshold would lay aside his blazing glory and dazzling beauty in heaven and become one of us. Mm. So as the threshold, what Jesus does is he allows us to cross the threshold Mm. of the fourth dimension of time and space and Mm. to Exist in a multitude of dimensions. Now, remember, as image bearers, you know, mm. God is light and we are light beings, and that allows us to function in these multiple dimensions. Well, you think about Jesus' prayer to the Father in John 17. It says, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So, we are not of the world, but we're sent into the world. So, we have got to get the world mm. systems out of us if we are to be able to truly say we're not of the world. There are Babylonian systems that are still operating, these are systems of enslavement, idolatry, false prophecy, um, and this defiled music. And you think mm. about, you know, King um, Nebuchadnezzar he actually used sound and music to entrain the thoughts of his subjects, leading them into idolatry. So he essentially used mind control techniques. Hmm. And this is in Daniel 3, 4 through 7. It says, then the herald loudly proclaimed, this is what you're commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up." Hmm. So you can see this music had a hypnotic, mind-controlling pull on the Babylonians and also the exiles of Judah. But from scripture, we know that the only ones that didn't bow a knee were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Hmm. So how were they able to resist? And they were, they were able to resist because they didn't give in to mixture when they came to Babylon. See, these were young men. In Scripture, it t- says that they were um, without physical defect. They were handsome. You know, they were showing aptitude of every kind of learning. They were quick to understand, mm-hmm. and you know, they qualified to serve in the king's palace. Well, kind of like all our culture now. If you're if you're good looking, if you're talented, you know, you can get all of these perks, and you get offered all of these benefits. Well, similar. Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, and Daniel had all these benefits. You know, they were given or offered the delicacies from the king's table and these treatments in the king's palace. Mm. But they resolved not to give in to mixture. And I think this is important for us as we think about how can we be transdimensional beings. We have to get mixture out of us. We need to repent of ways that we've allowed that mixture Because when we do that and we're cleansed of it, the power of the enemy is impotent against us because we don't have any hooks by which he can reel us in. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to get back to something I said about us being light beings um, that we operate in multiple dimensions outside of time. But I want to pause there because I know you guys, I could see, Nate, you're percolating.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, I was going to say, you know, coming from sort of the my music background. There you go. Just living yeah. in vans, bro. Living in a van. <laughs> like I remember a few moments where, you know, I, I hung out with a lot of these people. A lot of people I knew went on to, it was weird like seeing friends go on to win Grammy awards and then become a big deal in the space. And at one point we were just kind of hanging out backstage talking about these things. And it felt like there was this graduation to, another level where their music began to become like i always thought it was weird that you could have your music be massive in one country and not in another country so i saw a lot of that like what is what about that country makes this artist massive and there was always a spiritual element to music like
2: hasselhoff like hasselhoff was huge in germany <laughs> not so
1: much here Well it's but true i, I mean yeah. i make a
2: joke but it's yeah true.
1: yeah <laughs> there's something else going on here entirely like I remember we played a show in Japan for specifically and the lead singer of this Japanese band's like, go out on stage. He told me this word to yell and he said, stick your fist in the air and just watch what happens. And I'm like, is this creepy? He's like, no, no, no. It's, it's just a joke that I do, but, but just do it. So I go out, it's like 3000 kids are in downtown Tokyo and I step back from the mic because everyone in Japan is super polite between songs. They're just quiet and they just listen. And I just stick my fist in the air and I yell the word, this Japanese word he told me and 3000 people went, Oh, Oh. Oh, right back at me. And I was like, what just, what just happened? And 3000 people all in unison did exactly what I did. And I was like, that was the most wild thing that I've ever experienced at a show. And the power of music, the power of that moment, the power of being on stage. I can imagine these, these three guys, it didn't work on them. Whatever, where they were, where their heart, where their allegiance was, the power of God was in them and, and all these, sort of this magical, we're going to get you, we're going to get you in, we're going to rope you in. You're going to be singing along to our words. You're going to be in in our control. It doesn't work on them. The spirit of God and we're all empty vessels and the rest of them were being used and they they weren't an empty vessel. They had the spirit of God in them. I guess we could debate that. What, you know, when does the Holy Spirit come and all that. But I would say that uh, a lot of people don't realize in the modern era because it's more underground that they are their their vessels being filled up and they're being used manipulated controlled and i just saw that in the music world just for a few years maybe six or seven years of doing it mm-hmm. those are a lot of thoughts and i i've been i've been processing that for years of like why certain artists why certain songs what is it about it you know mm-hmm. but some of them like the taylor swift we see now she literally has complete control of her crowd and her audience. And she's doing
0: Absolutely.
1: a lot a lot of like visually stuff that looks very occult. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what is going on here? Really? So those are just some stories and thoughts that I have. I can understand what you're saying. And I can put myself in an ancient context and sort of, um, and I think of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, kind of the same thing, you know, like mm-hmm. these stories where these, there's this small group of people who don't, like no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. I'm not going to participate. I'm on a. I'm on a different wavelength. I'm a different level. So that's mm-hmm. my thoughts.
0: Well, just. Um, I love what you're sharing because it. It all ties in. Just for clarification, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are Shadrach, Meshach, and. Abednego. Okay, that's
1: what that I thought. Was,
0: <laughs> that was their Hebrew names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when they got to Babylon. They were given these Babylonian names, and for a long time, I would refer to them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I realized, yeah. wait a second, those are cursed names that were given to them. We should call them by their given names. So, anyways, just for your audience as well.
1: Yeah, I thought but, so. I was like, and uh,
0: they were and they were
2: hun- they were hunks. This is, I mean, these dudes' yeah. leg- legacies, they were just they were
1: they were <laughs> they smart. had it they going were, on. They had it going sure. on. Apparently, you, you're right? just Laura. You're just saying they're hipster names, right? You did.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go.
1: Okay, cool. There you go. I didn't know you were speaking hipster. I'm not, I'm not that cool.
0: <laughs> the point I want to come back to that you guys are making is it's about consecration. And, you know, people can be used unknowingly, like Taylor Swift fans will, will go with that example. Um, she leads her fans into false worship. And they unknowingly can enter into that false worship. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important to get that mixture out of us. And I'm going to talk about sound portals in a minute and the impact that sound portals have on us. And it, it just is so important That we consecrate ourselves. And what it means to consecrate ourselves is you set yourself apart. You don't do what everyone else is doing in the world. You set yourself apart. That also means to be made holy. And so that's what Hananiah, Azrael, and Michelle did is they refuse to go along with what everyone else is doing. And that's what we need in order to steward this transdimensional music. Okay, so one of the things I want to go back to, though, that I was talking about is um, how do we operate outside of time? And this gets into the quantum world. So, you guys ready? hmm Okay.
1: I mean,
2: um, <laughs> we're always here. Let's go, Marty. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so... This quantum world, one of the things I'm fascinated by it is is really it's because it's this bridge between the natural world and the spiritual world. So it's the bridge between science and spirit. Well, quantum mechanics has actually discovered operations that occur outside of our fourth dimension of space and time. And I want to read an excerpt from a book called Quantum Glory by Phil Mason, He says, the non-local quantum world appears to be kind of invisible intermediate buffer zone between spirit and matter. It appears that the non-local quantum realm has been strategically crafted by God directly responsive to the influence and activity of the spirit of God. So these non-local quantum realities are capable of materializing into a localized spatial formation. So it appears that the effects of quantum mechanics are irrespective of time and space. And this becomes evident in delayed choice experiments. So I want to tell you about a study that was published in 2001. And this is in the British Medical Journal. And it was um, an experiment done by an Israeli doctor named Libavici. And he studied the effectiveness of remote and retroactive intercessory prayer on sepsis patients. And so in his study, he had 3,393 patients that were hospitalized for sepsis, and they were randomly selected for the control group and the intervention group. So the intervention group received prayer and the control group did not. And what the researchers uh, looked at is they measured the impact of prayer on the duration of high fever on the length of hospital stay and on mortality rate. And what they found is those in the intervention group had shorter hospital stays. So these are the ones that received prayer, shorter hospital stays, less days with high fever. Now, mortality rate was not statistically different, but those in the intervention group actually did have less mortality, but it just wasn't statistically significant. So you look at this study and you think this is awesome because it proves the power of prayer, which is what we know. But what's shocking is that the prayer was offered up in the year 2000. These patients were hospitalized in the mid-1990s. So anywhere between four to 10 years before the prayer was offered, they received the benefits from the prayer. Hmm. Does that make sense?
2: Wait, No, let's let's explain that again. So Wait, they, these people were six, four, six years into sepsis?
0: No. So they were, they had sepsis in the hospital in the mid-1990s. And then they were discharged, you know, several days after, a couple of weeks after, depending on what their length of stay is. Then four to 10 years later, depending on, you know, when they were hospitalized, these people offered up intercession, prayed for them in the year 2000 <clears throat> their prayer Lord. in the year 2000 impacted the patients 4 to 10 years before so this shows how our soul and our spirit when we come into alignment with our soul and spirit how we can operate outside of time
2: that's wild that's wild so they're praying for people in the past
0: and there's a st- statistically significant difference for those who received the prayers, it benefited them in lower or less days with high fever and a shorter hospital stay, Are even who, though the prayer could have been offered up four to 10 years later after Lord, the fact. Who decides
2: who decide, this is a wild idea? Who decides this yeah. is a, they're going to be like, let's, let's pray now for people in the past. We're not going to tell you who recovers, who doesn't.
0: Well, the quantum world is like the wild, wild west. So it it gets even more interesting.
2: Can you can you send us the link for the study too, so we can put it in our show notes? Because yeah. I find this just like yeah, this is, a, this is a, like a mind blowing. This is this is idea. Wild. In, yes. in and of itself. Like, hey, you know, you know. Well, oh, here you go. Well, I can <laughs> tell by your smile. I know it, something's happening here.
1: <laughs> I've had this idea before. I made a joke and almost got all the sh- the jamba juices shut down in Southern California because I sent an email to our keyboard player's sister from. Th- from his phone and said she worked at Jama juice and i said don't drink the Jama juice on monday F- signed future stephanie and i sent it to her and she believed in the parallel universe and so she told her boss they believed in the parallel they almost shut down all the jama juices because <laughs> of this joke <laughs> this joke that i sent from her future self right and uh we didn't know because we sent it at like two in the morning on a drive from arizona to wherever and uh <laughs> I'll never forget that moment because they, the district, they all were debating the parallel universe as a bunch of managers of Jama Juice. If it was really a thing, if you could really send yourself an email from it's the This is like straight out of the office, dude. Yeah, the, it the, was. It's the future Dwight. It's yeah, like it totally was. Someone poisons the office, do not I drink thought, your coffee. I thought she's <laughs> never going to believe this. She did.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, this is a oh wild concept, God. but a lot of people believe this, Laura, and a lot of, like, maybe more of a to be more of a sci-fi version of this. But uh well,
0: So hang on, here's okay. where we're going, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what this study shows is that when our soul is in alignment with their spirit, we can operate outside of time. Now, people with a without a regenerated spirit, so their spirits are not born again, they're not followers of Jesus. They also can operate outside of time, but they do it through their soul. Well,
2: this like this ast- like, I care about astral. Like we, we've talked to a few folks yes. when they're yeah. cold about how they would leave, do out of body stuff and they'd go places and actually, which one, Nate, we had one girl talk about, pull, she'd pull her, she could pull herself outside of space time when she was yeah. doing some of this stuff, which. Well, really- I,
1: I've, I've thought about this a lot on our show, Laura, because I wonder if some of these UFO sightings, like, when are they? Mm-hmm. Because people will see them and then they're like gone. And, and they can affect gravity. And so they can affect time. What, when are they, are they, is that happening right now? Or is that happening in the past or is that happening in the future? Mm-hmm. I've thought about that UFO sightings might. Man, this show just, this show just <laughs> starting to break, break my brain. <laughs> but it, it, ty- we'll see, because people have time di- problems. They will be abducted or they will have, and they won't, they'll be at one place. Several people have sent us messages. I was here and then I wasn't there. I was at home and i don't know how i got there i have no memory i walked around a corner and i had gone 30 miles how's that possible and i don't remember there being any gap in time so time travel dilation abductions it's 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 strange it's mm-hmm. and people have flown through you know they've they've been pilots have flown through these like yeah but you're in a triangle like wormholes almost yeah and,
0: right right it, yeah.
1: and they're they're an hour at, they're an hour ahead of schedule so Christians probably don't want to talk about these things because it it feels it feels unnatural. It 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 causes them to wait. What mm-hmm. what? Do, how do I make sense of this with my faith in the gospel? But it's
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I I'm not smart enough to talk about. It. I'm just saying that I've pondered it a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I want to I want to bring it back yeah. to the Bible and ground us um, in the Word of sure, God because sure. it actually speaks about it. So again, our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. Our soul is also light. Remember I said, we are created in the image of God. We're substance, light, and spirit. So our soul is light. And we see this in Matthew 6, 22 through 23. It says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, we're going to come back to that in a minute. I want to look at, again, some of the etymology of these words. The eye is seen as the window to the soul. And we get that by looking at the Greek word for eye in this passage. It's ophthalmus. And if you look at the Thayer's Greek lexicon, it means um, the eye is the index of the mind. It also means um, it's the faculty of knowing. Okay, so that speaks of the mind. It also means to be envious. So now we're speaking of emotions. And then it also means to have an evil eye towards your brother that speaks of will. So again, our soul is mind, will, and emotions. Well, as image bearers of Yahweh, we don't want to operate in trans-dimensional soulish realms because we can fall into false light. And that's what this passage is addressing. You know, it talks about the light that is in you is darkness. Well, how can light be darkness? And that's the false light. It's because it appears good, but it's really darkness because it leads people away from the true light. And this is happening a lot in the Christian church right now. So yeah. when our soul, yeah. Same, Laura, a is
2: that in the same way that they, they, they talk about Satan masquerades as an angel of light, the same sort of concept where yes. it's this false, it's this deception? Of,
0: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. And so when our soul, which is light, is operating in other dimensions without being in proper alignment with our spirit, that's how we operate in false light. Now, one way people do this is by using intention. Now we can be well-meaning, good intention people, but if we lead by intention and not by the spirit, we are operating in other dimensions through our soul and intention actually operates outside of time. And that's evidenced by these delayed choice experiments. Now, as I mentioned, light behaves both as a wave and a particle, So these delayed choice experiments, they involve photons passing through a double slit screen. And somehow these protons are presciently accurate to align with the observer's choice or intention as to how the photon will pass through the slits. So it doesn't change the outcome if the the observer was delayed by time in making the choice. So without fail, these photons behave like the observer intended it to, even when the observer makes the choice after the fact. And that lines up with what I shared with that, that research experiment with the prayer happening after the fact. So intention is the part of our soul that operates under the quantum mechanics principle of non-locality.
2: Hmm. Or, Laura, can I ask a question about this real quick? Yes. Is, is this is this connected to when you're in operating in you know in and through Christ, is, is this connected to like the the new age idea of manifesting where you sort of push your what you try to will things yes, into existence absolutely. selfishly? Yeah. It's it's the idea of like I'm gonna you hear this a lot now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna manifest this, I'm gonna manifest that, which is a weird word because you think about the when I would make things about like the manifestation of demons, right? You have this manifestation. And, but at the same time, it's this idea of, and maybe this, and I was just wondering if this is the same idea that you.
0: Yes. And so what they're doing is they are entering into another dimension through their intention and they're letting their intention lead the way, not their spirit connected to the Holy Spirit. And that's what leads to false light.
2: Yeah, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, that that, way it's explained there because it sounds all hokey and stupid. And you hear a lot of athletes, especially, will talk about about this, but they're not the only ones. It's, 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 I just think that's what comes to mind first. I saw this interview with Jameis Winston recently about manifesting. And yeah, but it's, it's this idea that like you can, it's very new agey, bad, bad juju stuff because they're literally trying to, to, cause causally make this thing happen in their life that they've willed for themselves, which yeah. is of course not, not the will of God as we're meant to walk in the will of God. So that's, that's a really fascinating breakdown because I've heard of that proton um, experiment and, it, and it's so interesting. <laughs> you know, you get in these really strange places that are hard for some people because of because of the realities that, but these are, these are actually like quantifiable experiments of uh, that people you know with that are peer reviewed that have that have you know a hypothesis and a result this is empirical science and you go but the way it operates feels well, I, like
1: I, juju I, I always think of when the bible you know sort of tells us not to practice necromancy it isn't that it's not possible it's not possible to do these things it's that you don't know you have no idea what you're doing yeah. and i think so many of us in the new and especially in the new age they don't know what they're doing So you're not tapped into the power of God. You don't know what you're tapped into and you don't know what can happen. It doesn't mean things that don't benefit you won't happen, but ultimately they they will trick you. And I I just think that sometimes we tend to read them as, it's not possible. You can't talk to it. You can't talk to people in in the realm of the dead or whatever, or in Sheol, or that's not possible. That didn't happen. It's like, no, it is possible. And you don't want to try. You just don't want to try. You don't want to crack open Pandora's box, so to speak. But it's also interesting too that, you know, we, we get the Holy Spirit, you know, that the new age is a counterfeit version of what we're supposed to, the things that, that, that Christianity teaches us that are possible. So there, there's also this other side of Christians who are who are almost afraid of the spiritual nature of their faith. Right.
0: Yeah. So, so
1: they don't, they don't, they don't do anything. They don't want to be new age, but they also don't really want to, they're afraid of what God could do through them. So how do you find this balance? How do you know? what power you're actually tapping into how do you hear the voice of god because i've heard a lot of things in my life that don't sound like the voice of god that are god told me this is the hardest part about being a christian right. how do you know how do you know and i've heard everything and somehow i'm sure luke you've you've heard it all too and it's it's like we, we get skeptical like oh, i don't know bro but but
2: I, th- I think back to the beginning of this conversation right i, I think to your point nate the difference is, it's a it's a different door. That they like like literally all of that, all of the new age occult, all these things that are wrapped up in this new age idea or spirituality idea, et cetera, is just a a back door or the wrong door. It's absolutely yeah. the wrong door. It's a door though into into the counterfeit of the way that, of God's design. But like this the idea of like you know when we talk about. The astral projection and people doing out of body or psychedelics is the one that comes to mind as well um like the dmt stuff they these people are absolutely going through the wrong door into real
0: right,
2: real places in, in or, a, in, or a lesser in realms or and speaking with with real with real entities right yeah but yeah. it's but it's it's the wrong i mean christ is the, is the door mm-hmm. and this is and, and but the idea that you can access these realms are in, in quantums et cetera, we've kind of talked about just feels like in sort of the analogy of doors it's the just the it's the wrong this is the dog this is the wrong door but there's still a doorway there that the enemy opens up and it and it, Matt, it looks like it's false light like hey look you can have you insert new insert new age statement you can have this
1: experience and this but it's it's so subtle sometimes that's the thing it's just so subtle
0: Well, and I think that's why it's so important that we use discernment and we grow in our ability to discern spirits because you're right, Nate, it is so subtle. And this false light movement has really come into the church. And so people, I mean, I'm a prophetic person. I believe in prophecy, but there is so much prophecy that comes forth from the soul first and that's that false light. And so you have to be in proper alignment Well, one thing I just want to kind of tie the pieces together with with what I was saying is, you know, back to intention. Intention is that part of our soul that operates under the quantum mechanics of um, non-locality. So I want to explain what non-locality is. Essentially, it's the notion that there's two subatomic particles that can be separated by vast distances that are still connected in another dimension. And this is the nature of quantum entanglement. And so the idea that it's impossible to be in two locations at once is actually shattered by quantum theory. Now these photons are quantum particles that can be separated literally by millions of miles, but they're still linked together. So when you do something to one, immediately the other one is affected. And I actually believe this is what Hitler and Mengele did. They were using these principles with their twin studies. And so, you know, twinning is a form of trauma based mind control programming that uses non locality and quantum entanglement. So you can have twins, one in an underground base being tortured in rituals, and the other one seemingly living this normal, quote unquote, normal life. Well, the one living the quote unquote normal life will experience the same torture as the one underground in these, in these bases. Now I share all of this to caution us that we need to walk in proper alignment. And one way we do that, it's just, it's simple really. And it's, we take authority. Um, And I often pray this and I will tell my body, body submit to my soul soul submit to my spirit and spirit submit to the Holy spirit and no other spirits. And that's when you, you practice walking in proper alignment. And it's so critical because, you know, we're called to operate in multiple realms, both in Chronos time and outside of time. And one of the things the Lord has been teaching me recently is how to live outside of time, how to operate outside of time. And he's challenging me with my words, similar to what I shared in our last interview. You know, words are so powerful. And so he has told me, no longer say I don't have time for that, mm-hmm. because that's actually a curse that keeps me bound to Chronos time, linear time. And I realized that even if I say I'm too busy, that also is a curse. And so I, I'm trying to correct the way that i speak so that i can learn how to operate outside of time so i'll give you an example you know one of the things that i do with every opportunity that comes my way is i pray and i ask jesus is this something you want me to participate in if he says yes then i say yes if he says no i say no and i don't always have to know the reason i just if i hear him i i just want to obey that's how i want to live my life Well, he is saying yes to a whole lot more than I feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, if I look at my schedule, my time, what I have on my plate, I don't think I can handle one more thing. And I hear him say, yes, say yes to this. I'm thinking, I don't understand how this is all going to work. But it's because he's busy teaching me how to operate outside of time. And one of the things that I started years ago is I... Actually, when I was writing the Roots of the Federal Reserve is when I started it. And I just daily, I give him my time. I say, Lord, order my time. And, you know, I will have days where I have a completely full schedule and every single person cancels on me. And I know, okay, Lord, you've got something better for me that you wanted me to do in that day. And it's been so freeing just to hand him my time and say, order it however you want. Mm. Well, when, you know? as I um, get these opportunities, so for example, coming on your podcast, I will ask the Lord for the scrolls, like I mentioned earlier. Well, sometimes asking for scrolls can take a couple of weeks of me praying and waiting on the Lord. Sometimes it's a couple of days, sometimes it's a couple of hours. Well, I've had two instances within the last month where I have been sleeping at night, I wake up from a dream, I roll over, go right back to sleep. In that momentary wake up, the Holy Spirit drops the scrolls for a podcast. Mm -hmm. And I realize it and I say, thanks, and then I go right back to sleep. And that is just him teaching me that I don't have to be so grounded to linear time, that if I submit my time to him, He'll bless me and allow me to operate outside of time. Now, one of the other things that I want to get into is, you know, we've, t- we've touched on it and that is the impact of sound portals, how these sound portals can actually help us understand how to walk in this trans dimensional um, life that we have. But I wanted to pause because that's a little bit shifting gears. If you had anything else to add about operating outside of time
1: it makes me think of the story of philip and how he was transported right and uh some people estimate he was he transported about a a hundred miles and that's something that's come up a lot on our show is like how did philip get from one point how did he how did he do that how did he you know i I don't know the details of the story but i know it was a long distance and i know it was impossible without but i just wonder did he go through some was he how did that happen how is that possible But we, we have this story in, you know, in the Bible about somebody basically either time traveling or stepping through a portal and going from one place to another. Like you're saying about how it's, it's, it's actually physically possible to do that. And I guess that was necessary in that moment. I don't know what you think about that story, but specifically a lot of people bring it up.
0: Well, I love how the Bible gives us examples of the quantum world and how these things work, because like you were saying earlier, there's so many Christians who, because the new age has co-opted so many of these theories and, and words, like frequencies, for example, I often get accused of being new age. Well, yes, new age has you know, co-opted that phrase, but that doesn't mean the concept is new age. God created it. We need to, you know, sanctify and reclaim what the enemy has stolen. Well, similarly with understanding the quantum world, for example, you know, I think Christians get freaked out. They don't want to understand the spiritual realm. They don't want to understand how we are seated in heavenly places. What does that mean? We can actually live in multiple dimensions. Wait, that sounds new age. I don't want to have anything to do with that. And that's really why I think the Lord wanted me to share these things because there's this massive fascination with blurry creatures. And rightfully so. I mean, it's, it is fascinating, but what are we doing with that fascination? Are we recognizing that? Oh, wait, as, as, Children of the Lord, we are created in His image. We actually are trans dimensional beings as well. We're just not living that way.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I I agree, and I think a lot of this shows taught Luke and I to sort of start thinking differently in, in in our own lives. But I've noticed in this last few years of of how my prayers have changed and how my thoughts have changed about you know just walking through a divorce. How do I do that with kids? I didn't have time to do things, and I remember think, telling God like. I can't focus on the fear and the negativity of trying to deal with walking through a divorce. I need you to take that so I can do blurry creatures. And I told people in our Costa Rica trip, I didn't have to step foot in court. And so since then, I've seen so many more of these things happen, specifically with the podcast and other things with my children. And it's been amazing to feel like I'm finally living out of, there's been hard days, there's been hard times, and but more that I'm, the kingdom of heaven is an abundant one. And, and, and there's so many resources and there's so much love and there, there's way more than you realize and you can get it and you can, and you can, you can kind of jump into the, the, the stream of God and it takes you all these wild places, but it's so much more rewarding. And, and I've, I've been slowly kind of coming to realize that through some, some wild things the last few years that maybe it's just being in my forties and finally just like throwing my hands up and like, I, I don't know, I, I seem to screw up everything, God, so Maybe you help me do this, but we still have to do something. We still have to, like Luke and I, we still have to put content out. We still have to find our, like, what are we doing in this world? How are we helping people? And who are we in our families and and, and our communities? It's Sometimes we get paralyzed, like, God, make every decision for me. But he wants you to do something. He wants you to work out your salvation. He wants you to kind of put one foot in front of another. So... As somebody who likes to dream but actually execute, like, okay, I have this idea, I have this thought that God is doing something. I think it's hard for me, Laura, when I, I get an idea and I don't always know, is this a good idea or a bad idea? Is this from God or not? Is this from me? And, I, and it's just this weird pondering of what am I supposed to do? Because yeah, it's like the,
2: Big, like the Bigfoot band. Like, <laughs> is that from the Lord? How many that-
1: records do we put out? <laughs>
2: I kid. No, but yeah, no, it's
1: it's 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 the internal debate, and some people just get so paralyzed they don't do anything, mm-hmm. or some people overly do it, and they say God told me you need to give me all your money, you know, and it's like that's not true either,
0: <laughs> right. right?
1: Right. It's that I trust God, but I have this humility aspect too. That mm-hmm. it's a dance. It's
0: it is.
1: You can't kill it one way or the other, and I, I don't know always where that line is. It's it's it's, it's mm-hmm. the hardest part. It's the hardest part of the show. Like, is this content legit or not? Is, is, this, is this a good episode? Is this not? Are we putting out good? What questions are we asking? Is, is this person deceiving us or not? And, and some people will get real angry because they think that they know. And, and Luke and I are like trying to leave room for, for what God wants to do with this show. But we also have to go with our gut at the same time. Yeah, it's like so. a junior
2: high dance. Nate. You got to leave room for the Holy Spirit, you know,
1: and that's what, that's what we're trying to do here. But uh, but you get to a certain age where you don't want to dance like a junior higher anymore.
0: This right. is still a family show.
1: For the most part. Come on. Come on, Luke. Oh, all right, big red. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. <laughs> true. There's a Laura, Laura they, let's, they get they to sound, to- let's get the sound Let's get sound portals. Let's go to sound portals <laughs> <laughs> <to> here. <laughs> for the for the before we drive this blurry bus off the cliff
2: completely.
1: No, because people don't know. They don't know what to do. No, and no. we get those emails daily. What do I do? Do I do, I do this? Do I do that? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer mm-hmm. those questions for you.
0: Mm-hmm. I get those questions a lot too. And it's, I love what you're saying, Nate, because it takes learning the voice of the Lord. And how do we do that? We learn his voice by spending time with him, by mm-hmm. carving out time, by setting aside time, spending time at his feet. Digging into his word, and when we practice that, when that becomes part of our life, then our ear is more tuned in to the sound of his voice. Mm -hmm. And you're right, I mean, it is over these last three years for me, I feel like, Lord, help me, I don't know, like, what is this? Mm -hmm. I, I keep running into things that are way beyond my comprehension. Mm -hmm. But I always go back to John, I think it's 1426. The Holy Spirit is the teacher of all things. So my favorite classroom is the one the Holy Spirit teaches. And I show up every day. I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you going to teach me today? Mm -hmm. And our family, we do words for the year. Well, last year, my word, I had two words, wisdom and discernment. And I grew so much in that area that I knew this year I needed more. So my words this year are wisdom and discernment. And what I have learned over this past year and growing in discernment is it's so important to be in community with solid believers, with mature believers, because I'm able to, I've got a small group of people that I'm constantly texting almost on a daily basis, if not several times a day. We're bouncing around these theological ideas. We're digging into scripture, but we're also saying, okay, what about this? What's your discernment? What are you picking up on that? And I am learning so much from being in community with people. Mm, So the things that are like blind spots in my own life are not in someone else's. And then I learn from that and I grow. So that's just an encouragement.
2: It is. Accountability is so important too, right? Like to have somebody that, that can have eyes on it's not your eyes right and the right. And, yeah and i that's a good word i mean it, it is it's it's a practice it's meant to be a practice it's meant to be a a, a daily meeting and and I, and I think yeah nate to go echo you a discernment is is the hard is the hard part that's the real hard part right it, it's learning you know what what does my voice sound like what does god's voice sound like and what is somebody else's voice that's that's in my head to, you know sound like in and parsing those. I think that's a tough thing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it's often, as you say, it's often abused. People will, people will take that and say, God told me this. God told me that. And then, I mean, that's.
0: God told me I should marry you.
2: That, that, um, that's, hey, that's uh, Christian, Christian that one. College 101, right? right? He was telling all the ladies. <laughs> it's slow. He's saying, you know, listen. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't. Yeah, so let's get to sound portals here.
1: Yes,
0: let's get to sound portals. All
1: right, Laura, tell us where are we okay, going. Okay,
0: sound portals. That's right. All right, now to bring us back to what I talked about as far as Jesus being the transdimensional door. Well, the Lord uses sound portals as a means of bringing heaven to earth, and I'm going to sh- um, share a couple of stories from the Bible. The first one is Gideon. Gideon is an example of this. So in Judges 634, it says, then the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abizarites to follow him. Okay. So again, digging into the Hebrew word, that phrase came upon in the Hebrew is Lavas. And it means wrap around, like you would put on a garment or clothe yourself. And if you look in the Brown Driver Briggs, it means the spirit of God took possession of Gideon. So in other words, the spirit became incarnate in Gideon. And the next thing that happens is the sound of the trumpet is, comes forth. And so that sound is an example of trans-dimensional music or trans-dimensional sound. Now, the shofar, the trumpet, you know, is a common instrument in Israel. They used it frequently. So it's not that the instrument was connected to the trans-dimensional sound or was the reason that sound came forth it has to do with the spirit of the one using the instrument. So in this case, you know, the Holy spirit was incarnate in Gideon and the sound mm. that came forth from that trumpet was the sound of the spirit. So it's one example of a sound portal that allowed trans dimensional music to be released into the earth. Now I'll share a personal story. I, I experienced trans dimensional music um, at one point. So in 2014, I was teaching a class on informed intercession, which is part of spiritual mapping. I was teaching it in our church at the time. And kind of similar to what I do with podcasts, I was waiting on the Lord and asking him, what do you want me to teach, you know, for that particular night? And he led me to Deuteronomy 8. Well, Deuteronomy 8 is a chapter about transition. The whole book of Deuteronomy really is about transition but particularly that chapter. And so I was um, just sharing with the folks that I believe the Lord is saying we're in a time of transition. Well, one of the intercessors, she looks at me and she's like, Laura, do you know what today is? And I'm thinking Tuesday. I I don't really know. It was in the fall in September, I think. And the sun had just gone down and she said, Laura, it's Rosh Hashanah. It's the feast of trumpets. We just Mm -hmm. transitioned into a new Hebrew year. Well, I kind of looked at her clueless because I, prior to that point, I had never paid attention to the Hebrew calendar or Hebrew feasts. I mean, I knew what Passover was, but that was the extent of it. Right. So anyway, she begins just sharing with us about the Feast of Trumpets, about the appointed mm. times of the year, the Passover Pentecost Feast of Tabernacles. So then this other gal in the class, she looks at us and she's like, well, I have a trumpet in my car. <laughs> and I think, what? Why do you have a trumpet in your car? She does not play trumpet. And so she said, Well, I had do- I had dinner with my daughter. My daughter, um, you know, is on the University of Utah marching band. She said, Will you bring my trumpet home? So we realized, okay, the Holy Spirit is setting something up here. Go get your trumpet or the trumpet. It wasn't her. So she grabs it, comes back in, and she tells us, She's like, I don't know how to play a trumpet. And we look at her and we're like, You're playing that trumpet. And so we prayed. And we said, you need to blow it three times. Now, we did not have rhyme or reason as to why we came up with that number. That's just what we sense the Holy Spirit say. Well, she blew that trumpet and the sound that came forth catapulted me into another realm. It was like I passed through this membrane into another dimension. And suddenly I had this understanding of multiple ways that I had allowed mixture into my life. And I looked at her and I was like, what just happened? And mm. all of us kind of sensed the magnitude of this moment. So, now back to the story of Gideon in Judges mm. 6 and 7. So, when the Lord first appeared to Gideon, it was while he found Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press. And so, Gideon was living in fear of being raided by the Midianites. Now, typically what you do is you thresh wheat out in the open air because you toss it up in the air and the wind blows the chaff and the grains fall to the ground. Well, a wine press often was dug into the ground. And so the Lord found Gideon living in a state of oppression and fear. And I love this because it was at that moment that God spoke destiny into Gideon. And he said in um, verse 12, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Well, Gideon at that point in time was anything but a mighty warrior, but the Lord, you know, he had to build courage into Gideon. Gideon dealt with fear, but because he was obedient, the Lord could work with him. Hmm. And so the Lord told him, you know, you need to tear down the altar of to Baal that your parents and your kinsmen set up. You need to tear down the Asherah poles, and take the Asherah poles and actually build an altar to the Lord. And so that's what Gideon did. Well, that was an act of consecrating himself, setting himself apart, ridding the the iniquity from his generational line. Well, I mentioned, you know, Gideon struggled with fear and that often caused him to be uncertain, but God was so patient with him. You know, Gideon needed multiple confirmations you know, when he was first um, talking with the Lord, he said, if it's really you, Lord, that I'm talking to wait here while I go make an offering and bring it back to you. And then certainly, you know, Gideon um, needed the confirmation from the fleeces. Many people know that story, but also after the Lord dwindles Gideon's army down from 32,000 to 300, as he's going to face the Midianites and the Amalekites, the Lord says, if you're afraid to attack, Go into the Midianite camp and listen to what they're saying. And so Gideon goes down and he he overhears a dream that one of the Midianites has, and he knows that God's going to allow them to be victorious. Well, the strategy that the Lord gives him is in Judges 7. I'll read 16 and then 20 through 22. It says, Then he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp. And the whole army ran and cried out and fled. When the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. So the Midianites and the Amalekites essentially killed themselves when they heard the the trumpet blasts. Now, if we look at the Hebrew word for that word around, as in every man stood in his place all around the camp. So the Israelites encircled the camp of the Midianites and the Amalekites. That word around is sabib in the Hebrew, and it means circle, circuit, compass, and on every side. And if you look at Brown Driver Briggs, it means circuit or roundabout. And then also in Gazania's Hebrew Chaldee lexicon, it means circuits, circles, and orbits. And it's tied to Ecclesiastes 1.6, which says, The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. So here we begin to see the sense of movement. And this is how God operates. He operates in cycles, circles, circuits, wheels within wheels. And this is why Trinity math is cyclical, not linear. Now, another passage that uses the same Hebrew word, is Psalm 50 verse 3 and it says our God will our God comes and will not be silent okay so he's going to bring a sound a fire devours before him and around him a tempest rages so here's this whirlwind the sound of the whirlwind well if you look at the Hebrew root word for sabib it's sabab and we find that word in 2 Samuel 5 which is another example of a trans-dimensional sound. So this is when David faces the Philistines in the Valley of Rephaim, the Valley of the Giants. So the Philistines come against the Israelites and the Israelites um, rout the Philistines. So they're victorious. The Philistines regroup and they come to attack again. Well, David, so he faces the same army in the same location, but he doesn't rely on the same strategy that gave him victory the first time. Instead, he inquires of the Lord. And the Lord gives him this strategy in second Samuel 5, 23 through 24 says, therefore, David inquired of the Lord. And he said, you shall not go up circle around behind them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly for then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. So David encircled around the Philistines, that's that word sabab. And it means to revolve, surround, whirl, circuit, compass, and round about. Well, that's another example of a sound portal, which includes this circular movement. So the sound of marching on the tops of the mulberry trees was the sound of the Lord and the armies of angels that were coming through that sound portal from another dimension. And so here we see that the Lord's presence actually has this circular movement. Well, the enemy always creates the counterfeit and Mm -hmm. that's what the circumpunct is Hmm. the circle with the doubt it's, it's the counterfeit. And so you've got sorcerers, you've got pagans and Wiccans that cast a magic circle to increase the power of their rituals and incantations. And so what they're doing is they are using a formula to attach power to their magic. And this is why it's so critical with what I share about frequencies and about transdimensional music, that we are not looking for a formula. People will reach out to me and say, I'm dealing with this. What frequency should I use? That's a formula. Mm -hmm. When we look for a formula, it leads us into false worship. We have to come before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you have? What frequencies do you have for my circumstances? See, false worship is involved involves those circumpunks. And, you know, I've talked about this before in your show. Mm-hmm. All throughout history, it reveals the Nephilim agenda. Well, that's because Lucifer is patterning his false worship after what he witnessed in heaven. And we see the worship that encircles the throne in Revelation 4. I'll read verse 1. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I hear was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Now remember, I mentioned Jesus is the transdimensional door or portal. So here he is in verse 1 of Revelation 4. He's standing as the door that's wide open so that we can join in the worship that encircles the throne. We -hmm. don't have to wait until we die. We can join in that worship and enter into that dimension now being transdimensional beings. And then John says that he heard a voice like a trumpet. Well, this connects us back to that transdimensional sound that came forth from Gideon. It's the sound of the spirit. Hmm. after he became incarnate in Gideon. So if we look at um, verse two through six in Revelation four, it says that once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and pearls of th- peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. So here we have this picture of a heavenly circumpunct. The most high is seated on the throne, then encircled around him is a rainbow. Then around that is the four living creatures. Then you have the 24 elders. It goes on to say thousands upon 10,000s of angels and then all of creation. And so this is a grand display of transdimensional worship. It's cyclical. So, what the four living creatures are doing is they are crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they do that for all of eternity. And I used to think, like, that get kind of boring. That's all you do over and over and over <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Can I get a different job? But one of the things the Lord challenged me with is his character is unending, So every time they cried out, holy, 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 he shows them a new aspect of his character and they erupt in praise Mm. all over again. Mm. And so it's this cyclical worship. They resound his praises. He responds by showing them a new aspect of his character. And then they resound again. Now with transdimensional music, there's not a linear definition. There's so many different aspects to it. But one way to describe it is it's the cyclical worship that I just described. And so what we do is we come before the Lord in silence and we wait until we hear the sound in heaven. And then we resound that back. Then the Lord responds and we resound that back again. It's cyclical. It's kind of like what David did when he was waiting to hear the sound on the top of the mulberry trees. But, what that takes is that requires us to set aside time, to create that space to have that trans-dimensional relationship with Jesus. And that's what you were talking about, Nate before, is like mm. how do we how do we do this? How do we learn to hear the voice of the Lord? Well, to bring it all the way back to what I was sharing earlier, Jesus invites us as the threshold to cross over the threshold into relationship with him Hmm. and actually enter into his presence. See, humans, you know, we were designed with this insatiable desire for exploration. We could see it all throughout history. And that's not by coincidence. It's by design. But God designed us that way so that we would fulfill that desire by exploring him. Hmm. And as I just mentioned, God's character is unending, which means our exploration is without limits Hmm. and we can actually dwell in his presence and live in the world at the same time. And this is what it means to be in the world, but not of the world. So Jesus, as that threshold, as that portal to heavenly places, um, he teaches us how to do that, and I know I know an intercessor who practices the spiritual discipline of silence for the past twenty seven years, and periodically she'll come before the Lord in complete silence. So she doesn't have a journal, no Bible, no agenda, just simply sitting at Jesus' feet. And Psalm forty six ten says, "Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations." I will be exalted in the earth. Well, as she does this, as she spent time over the years in silence before the Lord, Jesus comes to her and pulls her into other dimensions. And she has journals filled with experiences inside the presence of Jesus. Also in the father's house, in other realms that Jesus takes her to. And that's because Jesus wants to teach us as the trans-dimensional portal. He wants to teach us how to live in multiple realms at once. And one of the things that the Lord told me, I think it was last year. No, it was 2022. He said, if you live in my presence, the enemy cannot find you because the light of his glory actually blinds the enemy. And that's what I want to do is I want to learn to live inside of his presence so how do we do that? And it's simple, really. And remember, we don't want to conjure up a formula by saying, mm-hmm. okay, so if I pray this amount of many times a day, and I, if I you know, practice silence, and if I fast, then God will do X, Y, and Z. Spiritual disciplines are not meant to be a formula. And I want to read just an excerpt from one of the Christian classics called The Practice of the Presence of God and it says, Brother Lawrence insisted that it is necessary to always be aware of God's presence by talking with him throughout each day. To think that you must abandon conversation with him in order to deal with the world is erroneous. Instead, as we nourish our souls by seeing God in his exaltation, we will derive a great joy at being his. So practicing the presence of God is the concentration of our soul's attention on God. It's remembering that he's always present with us. And that's the most glorious way to live. Um, And Brother Lawrence, he says, wouldn't we be happy if we could find the full treasure described in the gospel? Nothing else would matter. It's infinite. The more we explore it, the more riches we will find. May we never stop searching until we have found it all.
1: Let's go. Love Love that.
2: Thanks, Laura. Man. I was going to say, you know, you think about, you hear about Gideon and you forget the stories of, of the things that he did. You think he's just sneaking into hotel rooms, leaving Bibles in drawers, but, you know, that's his legacy. But his real legacy mm. is, man, like what a, mm. what a calling. Yeah. I I love these, Laura, because I know they're just like, there are so many layers to. Yeah. It's
1: hard to unpack it all. In to one. these,
2: to, you know, to the, to our episodes and. And you do such a great job of of connecting and then unpacking it and then bringing it back around and connecting. I, I just, I, I feel like there's a richness in, in this. It's like, you know, I'm going to, need to listen to this again. And I encourage people to yeah. do that. I know they do. They go back and, and, and re-listen, but yeah, I always know these messages are timely too. And so, you know, thank you for, for being intentional about, yeah. Yeah. Uh, about what you, what you want to share and intentional about the way you share it and intentional about, you know, and, and giving us the honor to, you know, to, to get to, to sit in and, and 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 talk with you and discuss these things, because mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, this is this is what it's all about. It's about getting to know, you know, the, you know, to, to know Jesus, getting to know the the lover of our soul, getting to know the, you know, our our Savior, and and I, and I think sometimes the simple things are the hard things, right? It's it's about intentionality of spending time and sitting sitting at, at His feet and asking Him what He wants to do, because oftentimes I think we we approach. In our naivety we approach god with what we want to do right? And, right and i think and i think god in in his in his fatherly ways he's he's probably mildly amused by that well um, also
1: just like how much more you understand what christ does for us too and how much like you grow up hearing like oh yeah jesus is, is the way you know and you're like okay yes but then you you start to understand the the weirder aspects of dimensions and time and all the things that we kind of ex- explore on our show, you're like, Oh, there's so much more going on here. There's definitely so much more going on. I d- and I do have a serious question for you, Laura. What do you think about a grown man dressed in a Sasquatch suit that calls himself Sasquatch? Is <laughs> 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 that transdimensional music? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's blowing a horn and he's dressed as a Sasquatch. We, 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 we get that people send that that guy all the time. I think something else is going on there, Luke. I don't think so. It's probably Christian Bruins. Um, (laughs) Anyway, sorry.
2: I knew when you
0: said I have a serious question, it was not going to be be a serious serious question. (laughs) Uh,
2: Laura, we just, you know, we, we love you. These, I think these are such timely, timely messages. And uh, it's been, it's a privilege. It's been an unbelievable privilege to, to have stumbled across you and your family on, on Amazon and, (laughs) and to be, you know, to be here and, and you're going to get to see you in the next month. And, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're a well. You're you're a well in wealth of knowledge. Um, and again, I just I just appreciate how intentional you are with with these subjects and how and how much you. I I know I know you you delve into the research and then also mull over these things to make sure that that what you're what you're speaking about and the things that you are you are teaching are are the things that 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 God wants you to speak. And and I think that's. The intent, intent, intentionality of that, and the thoughtfulness of that is not, is not lost on us. And so we're just, we're grateful. We, we, we love you. We, we, we love Tom and, and your family. And I think I look forward every time that we we get to put you on the calendar and and see you. And so um, if you want, let let everybody know. And because you're doing a bunch of things you said in the show, you said yes to a lot of things didn't think you had time (laughs) for. So, so (laughs) let let us know what what you got going on. And, uh, you know, and obviously where people can interact with you it be YouTube or or your website, or both, let everybody know what's going on with Dr. Laura Sanger and, and, and crew.
0: And crew yes yeah. well um, if anyone wants to reach out to me the best place is just to start with my website which is no longer enslaved.com and then um, my book Roots of the Federal Reserve is available on Amazon or off my website I um, narrated it I did that last year and that was um, that was a journey. <laughs> it's harder than you think but I'm super um, thankful I was able to do that so it's available on audible. The Spanish version is in the final stages. I'm so excited. Um, that'll probably be published within the next month or so. And then, Laura, Laura um,
2: did you do like an Australian and English versions where you use an accent?
0: <laughs> no, just, no, just a
2: thought. It's a thought. If you want to, you want <laughs> right. to continue, continue. Write it continue.
0: in old English. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I just want to hear Laura, Laura do it Aussie. You know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about that. But then. Um, Also, we are, I'm in the midst of writing my second book. I'm almost, I've got two more chapters to write, so I'm excited about that. The working title, I still haven't worked it out with my publisher, but essentially it's the impact of the Nephilim agenda today. And so I'm looking at a lot of the research, um, transhumanism, transgenderism, just the thing mind control technology a lot of those things and how the nephilim agenda is impacting us in our daily lives today so been working on that i think going to be working on a children's book with an illustrator so that will be fun mm-hmm. and um just doing a lot of uh different traveling conferences things like that so i am super excited to come to blurry con too whenever that happens yeah but if people wanna follow me, I'm also on Instagram and um, because of Nate, Nate got me on Instagram, which I'm <laughs> actually very thankful for. Way to go, Nate.
1: That's what I do.
0: <laughs> I'm Laura Sanger four forty four hertz on Instagram and Telegram.
2: Thanks, Laura. We love you. We love we love you. We're always we're looking forward to the next book and and the next time. Um,
0: yeah, can't wait yeah. to see you guys. Yeah,
2: can't wait to see you as well. We'll see you here yeah. in, in a few weeks, Thanks, Laura. So. Hopefully. Yeah
0: all right take care all guys right. we give
2: our best to the fam yeah stabler do. all right stay
1: i will care. you <laughs> as <Okay>. well <laughs> all
0: right
2: bye bye, bye Laura. so good to see you